0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand, get your hand up real, real high, uh, the significance of getting the Word of God in your hand. Once you get the Bible, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we are on our third week on our series... The Lord Jesus said in Matthew sixteen eighteen. he said, and I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And so as I highlight that and you're turning there to 2 Timothy 3, you know, just some things that stick out with what the Lord Jesus did. Uh, if you study his life, everywhere he went, he would go about teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom. So what you see there is the Lord Jesus, he highly emphasized the word of God. I highly emphasize the word of God. You got got to stay with the word of God. And you're going to hear that several times today. The second thing that was very significant in Lord Jesus' ministry, he said to Nicodemus in John 3, he said, you must be born again. You must be born again. And then just another thing that always sticks out to me, he said, come and follow me. And I'll make you fishers of men. And so the following of Jesus isn't just a Sunday thing. It's a day-by-day thing. So we begin week three here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 5. Having a form of godliness. a, A form of godliness. The form is an outward appearance. The word godliness literally means a devotion to God. So when you combine having a form of godliness, it's an outward pretense of a devotion to God. Having a form of godliness. Now, when I think about that, I have the picture of this, of that of a mannequin. And I really thought about bringing a mannequin in here today, but my creativity isn't that good. So I'm just gonna explain some things. You think about a mannequin, you can dress a mannequin up to appear however you want it to be. You can dress it to however you think is right. And so even we as Christians, we we take on this form of godliness. And so we can wear a a t-shirt with a phrase about Jesus on it. We can speak in Christianese. Glory, hallelujah. We can have a bumper sticker with the God squad on it. You can wear a, a necklace that has a cross on it. How about this? You can put a fish emblem on your car. I, I can take on the form or the appearance of godliness. So just like that mannequin, I can dress that mannequin any way I want to but the truth of the matter is in that mannequin is a hollow heart. There's nothing alive, real, or authentic about that mannequin. And so I I really wonder if this is some of the stuff the Apostle Paul's getting on here right now. That I take on the form of Christian or the form of godliness, but the power is denied. The, the very power that has the ability to change me is denied. Now, I believe the power he's talking about is in two reference. One, the inspired Word of God, which if you study Hebrews 4.12, he said, the Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of my heart. So the first thing we deny is the inspired Word of God. Stay with the Word, okay? Okay. Get into the word and God will get into you. And the second area I believe we deny is the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 8. The Lord Jesus said, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power. Dynamite, dunamis. Now he's telling us right here that we we take this form of godliness. Instead of the very things that would change us. And pay close attention to how he ends verse 5. And from such people turn away. Or better stated, and from such people run away. Get away from them. Avoid them. Why? The inner attitudes of their heart that have to do with belief, love, and even worship are lacking. There is no authenticity within them. So you know what he's saying? They just act real spiritual. They just act real religious. A oh, wake up. Now turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter, not Ephesians, of Revelation chapter one. Go to Revelation one. And I'm, I'm cutting some things here that I did in the first service and so you're turning to Revelation one. As you're turning there, one of our main topics or a scripture reference in the first service was Ephesians 5, verses 22 through about 28. In that passage, the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, and in that he was talking about the marriage covenant, and he said in there, wives are to submit to their husband as Christ. Wives are to submit. Now all the husbands are saying, preach that, pastor. Preach it, preach it, preach it. But the Lord Jesus had a thought. And you know what he said to the husbands? He said, husbands, you're to love your wives just like Christ loved the church. And how did he love the church? He said he gave himself for the church. And all the wives say, preach, pastor, preach. Let them have it, give them a double barrel shotgun. So if you look at what the Lord said in Ephesians 5, wives are to submit, husbands, you're to die. Wow, what an exchange. The reason I highlight this is because in that passage, the Apostle Paul is trying to to give us a a vision of it's very similar how the Lord Jesus loves the church to how a a husband's to love his wife. And it says there he nourishes and cherishes. And so what he gets over to is is a a marriage that is is in great uh, blessing is a marriage that's united, a marriage that has great unity. The Lord said in Luke eleven seventeen, 17, he said, a kingdom divided and a house divided and a marriage divided and a church divided, it can't stand. But when we learn to get into unity, uh, Psalms 133 verses one through three, it says, in the place of unity is the place where God commands the blessing. So something happens even, not only in a, in a marriage covenant, but in the church, the house of God, when the brethren dwell together in unity and then don't forsake the assembling together. So through that passage, when, when you get married, how do you get married? You said some covenant vows to each other. Some of you remember that. It was a long time ago for some of us. That she got a lot of flair. You just don't have much air. I'm sorry what's happened in this thing called life. But in my marriage covenant, I made a comment, something like, through death, till death doeth us part, through thicker, through thinner. You didn't say that well, close. I'm just giving us some marriage vows. But think about this. How do you enter a marriage vow with the Lord Jesus? You confess Jesus as Lord of your life. You speak with the, the, the mouth and confess with the, You confess with the mouth and speak with the heart. No, the other way around. You speak with your mouth and confess with your heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And when that takes place, that was meant till death do us part. And so when we make that covenant vow with Jesus, he says to us in, in Hebrews 13, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm all in. Now I highlight a little bit of that and as we go to the book of Revelation chapter one, we're gonna dissect this just a little bit here to help us. Go with me to verse one of Revelation one. And if you'll note, it says the revelation, singular, it doesn't say revelations. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants. You know who his servants are? those who are born again and obey. He goes on to say the things which must shortly or quickly take place and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. So the Lord Jesus gives this message to this angel and the angel's gonna tell tell John, this is the revelation. This is the things he wants to get to you. Now, when he gave John this revelation, John was in exile at an island called Patmos, which, if you were to look on the map, is is 30 miles to the west of Ephesus. And when he gave John this revelation, John was the last of the original 12 apostles that was still alive. All the rest are dead but John. Verse 2. Who bore witness... To the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed. You know what the word blessed means? Happy, fortunate, to be envied. You may want to mark that, blessed. How am I blessed, he says, is he who reads. Anytime I read the word of God, I, I come unto a blessing and he says, and those who hear the word. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith only comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So when I read the Word, when I hear the Word of God, and ultimately says, and of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written in it. This is James 1, to be a doer of the Word, not a hearer only. So you want to come under a blessing? Yes, pastor, we do. Read the Word. Hear the Word. Keep the Word. And he ends in this, And he said, it is written, for the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. If you really want to study that, better stated, they are on a major Roman route. That right now, if you were to look on a map, it would be in western Turkey. On the Mediterranean Sea is where these seven churches were. He goes on to say, grace and peace from him who is present, who was yesterday, And who is to come, the future, from the seven spirits before his throne. The seven spirits are uh, the Holy Spirit. The the dynamics and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sin in his own blood, and has made us, not that he's going to make us, If you notice, he's made us, his past tense, so he's telling us he's made us kings and priests, his God, Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the minute you got born again, if you've given your heart to Jesus, he looks at you as a priest or a king. Now let me ask you something. Today, do you view yourself as a priest or a king? He, He desires for us to do that. Verse 11. Saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. This is the second time he did this. He said the same thing in verse 8. The Alpha and Omega actually means I am the first and the last. What you see right in the book. And send it to the seven churches. Now he lists the seven churches. Then in verse 12 he says, Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. The seven golden lampstands are references of the seven churches." which are light in a dark world. Did you know the church is still light in a dark world? Now, I'm going to highlight something here. The church is a big deal to Jesus. It was such a big deal that he died for the church. Now, turn to, to Revelation chapter 2. And as you're returning there, I'm, I'm going to give you some insight here because we're probably going to be on some of this the next few weeks. But when Jesus wrote to the seven churches, to all seven, he commends them, except one. To the church of Laodicea, he doesn't commend them. What do I mean by commend them? He applauds them. Way to go. To five of the seven, he criticizes To all seven, he instructs, and to all seven, he promises. Now, the reason I'm highlighting this is because I believe this is an ongoing application that's applicable to us as believers, but also to the church. So we pick up Revelations 2, and remember the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church of Ephesus. Well, watch this to the angel of the church of Ephesus right? So this was the Lord Jesus's actual writing to this church in Ephesus. These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. Now most believe and really you can find it here in Revelations 1 the seven stars are highlighting the, the messengers or better stated, the angels. Now, when he says the right hand, the right hand signifies sustenance and protection for the church. That's what that's talking about. Lot of symbols in here. He goes on to say in verse two, I know your works. I want you to think about this. This is to the church. So let me rewind just a little bit here. And to the church in Lubbock I write. So this is actually like he's writing to us and he says, I know your works. I know what you're doing. I know your labors. And he goes on to say, and your patience, your perseverance, that you quit, you didn't quit, you didn't give up, you stayed with it. So guess what he's doing? He's saying, I applaud you, I'm applauding you again, but let me ask you this question. If I had to stand before Jesus right now, and you had to stand before Jesus, and he said, I I, I know your works, I know your labor, I know your perseverance. What is he seeing with you and me today? Do I just go through the motions? And he goes on to say, And that you cannot bear, you do not endure those who are evil. Now, again, you know what he's doing here? He's applauding and he's saying, way to go. You don't endure those who are evil. Now, think again here. This is the Lord. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. So he's getting over on this and he's saying, you don't tolerate the believers in the church that are evil. Now, one of the reasons he says this here, because in the city of Ephesus, it was a city that that was known for its sexual immorality. And he's saying, way to go that you didn't put up with that. But wouldn't it be easier in that city if they say, well, come on now, we've, we've evolved as a society. Can, can't we be a little more open-minded? You know, these are people's personal choices. This is an, uh, an alternative lifestyle. You know what he's saying when he said, you don't bear or endure those who are evil? I think he's applauding them and saying, you didn't compromise. You stayed with my standards when it would have been easier to water them down. But here's the deal, we've gotta use God's standards, God's word to not only set the standards but maintain the standards of right and wrong. We can't allow our society to define what's right and wrong. And so think about this to the church of it I applaud you. You know what he's saying? For correcting. And then he jumps over and says, and you have tested or examined those who say they are apostles, but they're not. Now, how do you test and examine like he's saying? And I look at this through the word of God. Is what they're doing, is it biblical? And the Bible's very clear as You'll know people by their fruit. Now when he says they say they're apostles but they're not, you know what that tells? You? They're still apostles because when he wrote this, the only living of the original 12 apostles was Paul, I mean John. So they're still apostles, but to a degree, you know what he's saying? Don't be so gullible. Don't listen to everything they're saying. And he ends with this. Now watch this. And have found them to be liars. Who said that? The Lord Jesus did. They're a bunch of liars. So Jesus has given us incredible warning here as the church. And you know why he does? The Bible's very clear. The apostle Paul said in, in Timothy, he said, In these last days, many will depart from the faith. And one of the reasons they will is because this thing called itching ears are tickling ears. Don't be gullible. Verse three. And you've persevered. Patience again. You've bravely endured trials and persecutions. And you have patience. And you have labored for my name's sake. And when I read that, you've labored for my namesake. You know what? This is Jesus, it's a letter to the church at Ephesus. And, and you know what he said? I've noticed your labor. I, I've seen what you're doing. So he said, I, I know your labor for my namesake. So you know what he's saying here? You just didn't go to church. See, we're not called just to go to church, we're called to be to church. And he's saying, I know what you're doing, I've seen your labor now. How well am I doing? Son of a bendigo. That's in the Hebrew, okay? Relax. What's he saying about my life? I've seen your labor of work for for my sake. Not for yours, for the kingdom's sake. What are you doing for the church? And you've not become weary. You didn't quit. You didn't jump off board. You know that phrase, you hadn't become weary? That's Galatians 6, 7. Don't be deceived. Don't be misled. Whatever a man reaps, that's what he'll sow. I mean, whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap in due season. Stay with it. Stay with it. Verse 4. Nevertheless, that's not good. I have this against you. To the church at Ephesus, to the church at Lubbock. You have left your first love. Wow. I, I've left my first love. I, I've abandoned my first love. That, that vitality. That, that sprang from this first love, that relationship that I had at first when I gave my heart to Jesus. And, and a lot of this comes back to this, this picture of Ephesians 5 in our marriage. Remember when you first got married? Just kind of like angels, just kind of floated. We're just in love. And he said, But you've left your passion. You've left your zeal for your first love. I, I've, I'm no longer priority. I'm gonna walk you through this just a little bit with some thoughts. I'm married. We live in the same house. I'm married, but I live like I'm divorced. I'm married, but I live like I'm separated. In other words, there's no fellowship, there's no communication, there's no intimacy, there's no harmony, and what happens with that? It all begins just to disintegrate, and that's what he's saying. Have you left the first love? Have you left that spark? And... You and me on the inside, we're the only ones that can answer that. And so if I've left my first love, I'm just going through the motions. And he has great comment here on this. He said, you've left your first love. Verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember, therefore, from where you've gotten off track. Take inventory of what became the the interference with your relationship with Jesus. Do you remember where you've fallen? Here's a thought for you, okay? I'm born again. Again. I received Jesus as Lord of my life. So what difference does it make if I fall or not? That's scary, okay? If it didn't matter to the Lord Jesus, who again is writing to this church, he said, remember church folk from where you've fallen. See, there's the teachings that go on and some say this, that there really is no hell. And some say this, the hell that, that is real is what you're going through here on earth. That's not what my Bible says. And there's teachings that say, well, that's why we have grace. You can live however you want. That's scary. And he's saying this to here to the church, wake up, wake up, wake up from where you've fallen. And he goes on to say, Repent. I repented thirty years ago. The greatest daily vitamin that you can partake of is repentance. And let me whisper that to you again. Daily. Daily. Pastor, you repent daily? No. I repent hourly. You know what? This thing called my flesh. That thing called my tongue. It gets out of hand every now and then. And remember the word repentance means you miss the mark. And so when I repent of my sin, repentance isn't just to confess my sin and then do what I'd always done. Now, watch what he says here. Repent and do the first works. Repent and do. He didn't say repent and then just go live like hell again. So really the repentance is, man, Father God, I I repent of my sin today and I gotta have your grace today to help me. I I don't wanna go back to those old habits. I don't wanna do those things. And if we don't think that is a real Why did the apostle Paul say in Galatians, he said, the thing I don't want to do, that's what I do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do. How many of you have ever experienced that? Oh, Father God, I need your grace. I need your help. Grace me, grace me, Father God, to do the first works. Now listen real close. Or else I will come To you, the one who's fallen, quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. To the church at Lubbock. Repent. Get your heart back right. And when he says to remove the lampstand, remember the lampstand is a church in a dark world. But what he tells us here, I'll remove your lampstand. You'll continually to exist. You just won't be light anymore. You want to see a great truth off of that? You know who said he will extinguish the light? Jesus. Jesus is the one who said that. So you know what he's telling us? I don't don't want you just go through the motions. I, I don't want you just going to church out of duty. This is the way we praise the Lord. We pray. I would be willing to bet that any of you in here that went to a football game on Friday night or watched football yesterday or is going to watch football today, when your favorite team scored, you didn't go. Way to go. And when your quarterback got picked off, how many of you said, stupid? How many of you have a fake brick and you throw it at the team? Pastor, is that you? That's close. That's close. I mean, I'm not gonna get there because some of you Shorthorn fans will be upset, but. Man, when the Sooners score, I, I dance. I mean, I, I, I get so excited. I just jump off the plate. He's 60 years old. You see me? I mean, I dance on my furniture. Shelly went at home? Yes. I... Sorry, you live streamers. Why do we do it? Man, we got passion. We got passion for football, but we come to the house of God and we have no passion. We have no zeal. Where are we at? Where are we at? Verse six, man, got my cardio up. (laughs) 8,000 steps, no, I'm just kidding. Verse six, but this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now, he didn't say you hate the people. He said you hate their deeds. And, And when I begin to study this word Nicolaitans, What I found out about these guys right here is they were people that thought they were better than everybody else. They esteemed themselves higher than others, a superior status, a better than thou. And it's interesting what the Lord Jesus said to him. He applauds him and he says, but this you have, this is to your credit, this is to your favor, that you didn't like the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Interesting, now I'm I'm gonna end this and I'm gonna come back, watch the end of this verse. Which I also hate. Who said that? The Lord Jesus said, I hate that now. How many times do you find out anything Jesus hates? You know why he hated their deeds? Is because they were arrogant, because they were prideful. First Peter 5, 5 says, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. And he said, I hate what they do. And so I begin to look at that and I think, do, do I have that cologne, that leave me alone cologne, that smell of pride? And you know where pride comes from? It can come from my titles, it can come from my finances. I'm better than you because I got, it can come by what I drive. I'm better than you because of what I drive. But one of the greatest ones is religion. I'm more spiritual than you. How about this? This will ruffle another lot of feathers. I'm better than you because of the color of my skin. is that not crazy? Prejudice has the devil all over it. I'm telling you, that's all that is. Now this statement I'm gonna make, I'm I'm 100% accurate and right. If they cut every one of us in here with a knife, we'd all bleed red brilliant pastor you gotta run for president see I look at this and he said I I hate these deeds and he applauded them and said and you hate them too way to go they're deeds not people verse 7 he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches Is your heart open to the Bible? Is your heart open to the Holy Spirit? That statement there, he who has an ear to hear, he ends every letter to all seven churches with that phrase. This was a big deal to Jesus. And then he goes on to say, to him who overcomes. If you'll note, the word overcomes is plural. We're called to be overcomers, not undercomers. We're called to be overcomers that word overcomer there is a military terminology for combat, suggesting Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places. So you know what he's saying to me and you? He who overcomes, some of you, you need a a kingdom fight within you you got to get back up, and you're going to have to fight against the spirits of darkness, and you're going to have to be relentless because the devil hates you. How do I know he hates you? John ten ten says he came to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to wipe you out, and guess what? If you don't learn to fight with the kingdom of God, he's going to rip you off. I'm an overcomer. How do I overcome? Revelations 12, 10 says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And so I pray this right now. You gotta get a fight in you. You gotta get a fight in you. Ephesians 6, 17, he said, you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Let there be a fight within me. Some of you gonna have to fight for your your life, your salvation. Some of you gonna have to fight for your children. Some of you gotta fight for your marriage. Fight. That's prophetic today. Fight. Birth within me a fight. I hate to lose. I don't care what we do, I can't stand to lose. I'm a great winner, but I'm a sorry loser. But I take that mentality into the spirit realm. And you know what I realize? That when I begin to walk in the authority that Jesus gave me, he gave us authority, Luke 10, 17. And the 70 returned, and they said to Jesus, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then Jesus replied in Luke 10, 19, he said, I give you power. To tread to trample on serpents and scorpions and over just a little bit of the power of the enemy and no, over all the power of the enemy. See, he, he's saying to the church, Rise up with the authority. Rise up, use the name of Jesus, speak the blood." And he ends here, "I will give to eat the tree of life which is in the midst of paradise of God. You know what this is talking about? Rewind, rewind all the way back to Genesis 2 with a guy named Adam and a woman named Eve in the garden right there. And so when you see right here the, the phrase, the tree of life, that's God's sustenance for our life. But he's saying, because of the tree of life, you'll maintain eternal life. And, and when he ends with the phrase there, the paradise of God, that's the perfect fellowship. That Adam and Eve had with God at one time. And God said, I want to bridge that to you. I want to bring that back to you. To the church at Ephesus. So why I study this and I read this is, man, it's ongoing for us. And and I I love to, to listen to what he applauds. Thank you. Someone else is in agreement. man I look at what he criticizes too stand up here with me goodness of God huh? just real reverently I'm going to ask you to close your eyes there because this, this becomes very personal with the things of heaven right now but we started there in 2 Timothy 3 and you may say that's me I've taken on a form of Christian. That's me. I've played games. I've gone through the motion. I take on a form of Christian, but the power is denied. In God, I trust only when I lust for the apple of my eye. That may be you today. And, And I think back about all his letter to the church at Ephesus. And have you done well in your works, your labor, your perseverance? How you done? Do I love the word of God above the things of this world? I, I, I'm not gonna compromise his standards. Here's a big one today. Have you left your first love? Have you left your first love? See, Jesus sitting into dating, he's into marriage. You know, just off of that right there. If you're here today and you say it's me, I've left my first love, I don't want you to be embarrassed at all, but I do want you to make your way out of your seat. And I welcome you to come to these altars and respond and say, That's me. And remember what he said repent repent from where you've fallen how about this have you been prideful have you been prideful just with your head bowed and your eyes closed right now I believe it's important that we not only preach the Word of God, but we give people an opportunity to respond. And how we respond is at these altars. And you know what's churning in your heart right now. You know what's going on. And so I, I sense God saying, man, I want to kindle that first love. But it's got to be your move first. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you, James 4.8. eight. So he's just, well, he saying, come on, come on. Come on back to that first love. Come on back. And if you're here today and you say, I, I need some of that oil of overcomer. I need that. I need to stir that up within me. See, some of you are putting up with way much more than you should. So our team's gonna sing right here. And I, I welcome you to come to these altars. If you need to get born again, If you need to give your heart back to Jesus, if you need to repent, if you just say, man, I need a fresh touch from heaven, I welcome you, okay? Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.